going to fail. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> all right. At long last, the moment we've all been waiting for. Welcome, one and all, to David Foster Wallace and Gromit's 40th episode, Spectacular. Wow. This is the, I know, I know, please try to contain your excitement. Uh, my name is Jared, with me as always is Steve. This is the wow. only officially unlicensed Infinite Jest fan cast. Fortieth episode, oh. spectacular. Long time brewing, you know. Long time brewing. I'd say about coming up on, if not have already approached, four years in the making. Uh, we're so grateful to all of our loyal Patreon supporters, everyone who's uh, supporting us on on Substack and um, um, uh, Fan Fan House and um, TikTok and you know everywhere and that. Yeah, everywhere that we can be found. So appreciative to all of our, our fans and supporters, uh, everyone who donated to the GoFundMe for the brand new David Foster Wallace and Gromit uh, podcasting studio, uh, otherwise known as the DFWAG uh, PSTM. <clears throat> and we would just love to, sure. you know, kick off the 40th episode spectacular, the only way we know how, and that is by uh, both checking the mailbag and wow. engaging with some of our supporters um, wow. through the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Recent reviews for the podcast. Words of wisdom, right. words of sage advice. Um, let's go ahead mm -hmm. and start mm -hmm. by saying, here we go. Uh, so for a long time- Well, let me just jump in here. Please do. By the way, I, I do want to say I'm on a little bit of a lag because I started- the talking before before you started talking, so I apologize for the interruption. Uh, one thing we did forget on the 40th annual spectacular, we did forget to give me uh, a small introduction or an opportunity to say hi, and so mm -hmm. that's something that you know right our wrongs from the past, and we really can't forget to do that on this 40th annual uh, spectacular. And uh, so here I am saying, hey guys. Um, Welcome back. Thanks for, for, for an absolutely fantastic 40 years of David Foster and Gromit. And we just really appreciate it. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Thank you, Steve, for those uh, those words of wisdom, that sage advice with your introduction, moving into our 40th episode, spectacular, all these years in the waiting, uh, you know, could not be more, you hear me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worked up, I'm emotional, I'm feeling a clamped, I, uh, you know, I'm feeling so nostalgic, I, I have half a mind to just cut off the recording and say this is a clip show, just run through some of the greatest hits over all these years. Right, of but, which there are many, you oh, know. infinite, infinite, uh, innumerable. Right. But here's the thing. Sure. That would be a disgrace to a number of people. It'd be a disservice and a disgrace to let's let's run through it. Some of our more our more loyal followers. Gustavo. Sure. David Del Monte. Damon Money. And infinitely more. I'll tell you what, these these three are the classics, and I'm gonna go so far as to say these are our personal, yours and mine, these are our personal best friends. Um, I really don't think that, uh, you know, you don't really, you don't need friends, uh, in the analog world when you have friends in the digital world. Right. I Thanks guys. At, we really we've appreciate said, it. We've said it before. The best kind of friend is, uh, is one where they listen attentively right. to our right. weekly dispatch, right. um, respond via email correspondence. And uh, mm-hmm. much like with our 40th episode spectacular, as many people know, it took us a couple of weeks to get this together, all the work involved. Uh, they will be receiving their correspondence two weeks from their post date. Um, sure. But you know now, what? Speaking of oh, some of our... Oh, go ahead. Oops. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say really quick that probably a lot of people, a lot of you guys are listening and you're saying, how do I become, uh, how, how do I become their best friend? Yes. What 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 is it that I need to do to be the best friend of the you know to be a part of the family? And I will call it a family because it isn't. Uh, this isn't just some internet gig. There's some yeah. internet sham. This is this is about as as uh, real a family as you're ever going to have in your life. And uh, and let me just clue clue everybody in uh, who's listening. How do you become a, a part of our family? A part of the 40th annual, 40 years of uh, Dave, uh, 40 years of us, and uh, that's it's easy. I'll tell you what you can do in order to be our best friend, part of our family. You can go online, David Foster Wallace, and Gromit.com, and you can get and click uh, send an email. You can send an email to us and say, hey guys, just really wish I could be your best friend. And that's, that's it. It's, it's easy as that. You sign up for the newsletter, uh, sign up for the subscription, the subscription box for merch that we're gonna be sending out and uh, get in contact. It's, easy, it's as easy as that. This is the easiest friendship you could ever have. Yeah. No, a lot of people, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, we only discussed it on our David Foster Wallace and Gromit Discord server. But for everyone out there who isn't a part of that, we did uh, recently unveil the David Foster Wallace and Gromit Loot Crate, the David Foster Wallace and Gromit Funko, and the David and Foster David Foster Wallace and Gromit uh, G Fuel collaboration. Um, that classic mm-hmm. J Bean G Fuel flavor uh, that you all know and crave. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of a an every flavor, you know. It's not your Berry Bots. It's not your Jelly Belly. This is your Safeway Select. Um, and uh, and look if. If we're talking about, um, you know, non-FDA-approved experimental nootropics, uh, effectively 
over-the-counter amphetamines. There is no brand that I turn to more frequently than G Fuel. Thank you so much, G Fuel, for the David Foster, Wallace and Gromit, J Bean collaboration. Um, Steve, let me just say something. I am, I am all the way <clears throat> turned up off of the blueberry sure. vinegar and sparkling water right now. And I would love to just give thanks to Damon Money. What? Whoa, hold on. Damon, we haven't heard him from him in a while, but that's the thing. Who's that? Here's the thing. We got some, um, let's call it delayed correspondence from our man across the pond, which is to say that I was doing a little digging, you know. I saw one of my favorite British people, arguably on earth, second only to Margaret Thatcher. Well, Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher can be number two. Uh, Number one is Bill B. Baggins. And number three is going to be, right? Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon, tortured artist, tormented tortured artist. artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm still waiting for the sequel, the sequel to Francis Bacon, and that's Friends. <laughs> Take another pass at it. Take another pass at it. Yeah. I'm really messing up. We got to cut this out or something. Well, no, the sequel to Francis Bacon is Kevin Bacon. Come on now, get it together. <laughs> I was going to say the sequel to Francis Bacon is Francis Ham. Oh. I, I mean, you know, it's sometimes. That's sometimes a, these things, yeah. Sometimes these low things fall, ROI on that joke. <laughs> well, right. Sometimes sometimes these things fall flat, and uh, I mean, what can you do? <sighs> I mean, you do what you do what I'm doing, and that's mix a good fruit vinegar with your Trader Joe's sparkling oh. water. What I call this is a big cup of mud right here. Thank you so much to the North American Vinegar Initiative for my cup of mud. Um, I just want to thank Doritos for that. Back to you, Jared. Um. But no, so speaking of Damon Money, uh, I, I was looking the other day, um, just on, on, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, it's tough to read the reviews because it does seem that we have 14 ratings and reviews once more. Please uh, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever good podcasts are found and leave us a rating. It doesn't need to be a perfect rating, 14? but we would, we would like a rating. Anyway, so we have these ratings. Are they good? I have, Is the 14 good? Uh, we have a 2.8 out of 5. So hey, I would say that excellent. I will take. Yeah, I will definitely take that. Uh, but no, here's Probably the thing. Five of this, five of the five star ones are like people we know. And... Well, I wouldn't be so sure about that because I'm looking at five or t- I'm looking at two five star ratings right here. One of oh. them. And this is why I have to give a quick apology to Damon Money because we were not made aware of these previously. I'm actually looking at chartable.com, another place where good podcasts are found. Um, I'm looking at a review from Damon Money via Apple Podcasts, wow. location Great Britain, March 12th, 2019. Five stars. Finally, a podcast with my exact dry, meandering sense of humor. Thanks. Thank you, Damon. Um, and again, so sorry that we are just now seeing these, or I'm, I've only just been made aware of these. Another one from March 6th, 2018, two, almost three years ago now, um, from Ski Bumnals via Apple Podcasts from Canada magnificent bastards five stars i was looking for a guide to assist me in finishing the seminal work of fiction by david foster wallace infinite jest but this podcast was clearly not the answer really appreciate that ski bumnals this is a new this is sort of a new character in the david foster wallace and gromit canon ski bumnals ski bumnals if you're out there please shoot us an email david foster wallace and gromit at gmail.com we'd love to hear about your local flavor we'd love to hear about what you're sipping on we'd love to hear about your opinion of the del monte food group we'd love to hear about um, what you're reading, what you're enjoying. Ski Bumnals, if you're out there, please shoot us an email. Steve, anything about well, Ski Bumnals? 
Yeah, let me jump in on ski bundles here really quick. And that is, I can already answer to the uh, local flavor question, and that's going to be uh, poutine. Yes. So, yes. Uh, but ski, we really appreciate. What's the spelling on that? Ski as in the activity. Uh, ski is in the or, activity. Let me pull that back up. S K I B U M N E L S. Ski bundles. U M N E L S. Skibumnals? Skibumnals. Skibumnals? It could be skibumnals. Skibumnals. Well, thank you so much, Skib. Really appreciate you reaching out. Um, it could very well be, yeah. We, we also uh, have a couple uh, regular emails. Oh, oh. Well, I, let me just let me just jump on and uh, say go crazy. hi to Skib. Yeah, well, I just wanted to let, let Skib know that we really appreciate everything that Skib's been doing for the, for the family and for the show. Um, maybe um you know skib we know over in in the great white north um you've got a you've got a a prime minister sort of a a young a young cool prime minister who loves to i'll say loves to dress up in costume we would love to reach out to um justin no that's not right what's his name no what's his name justice no who's the prime minister justin oh are you thinking trudeau what are you oh Trudeau? Justin? I don't know. Ski bumnals, we'd love to... Is this a Canadian thing? Yeah. Oh, they have a prime minister? I thought that was for... I thought that was England stuff. Don't they have a prime minister? Uh, Yeah, no, he's been the prime minister since 2013. What year is it now? Wait, hold on a second. Wikipedia is not loading now. Yeah, he's the... He is the... He assumed office in 2015, excuse me. Uh, 23rd Prime Minister of Canada since 2015, leader of the Liberal Party since 2013, second youngest Prime Minister in Canadian history, Justin Trudeau. I believe his father was in politics as well. Uh, Pierre Trudeau. Wow, this is a crazy looking guy. Hold on, let me share my screen with you. Um, Not sure why this uh, this segment became... Can you see this? Why? Why? Who's this guy? This is his Prime Minister Pierre what? Trudeau. Who's that? Is Justin's dad. Who's ski bumnals. Ski bumnals. If you're out there, um, you know we love Canadian goofing as much as the next guy. We're looking at a very cool picture of Pierre Trudeau. For everyone out there, he's got a nice pinstripe suit, a nice little um, ro- tulip, I guess, pinned in his lapel. It's a rose. That's not a tulip. No, I'd go ahead and say that's a tulip. Not even close. No, I don't know. That's looking like yeah, I feel yeah. if if you were to ask me, I'd say he's going tulip mode for sure. Anyway, ski bumnals, <laughs> thank you so much for your uh, review. Really appreciate that. I appreciate all of our friends in Canada. But here's the thing: we got to anyway, go. A little... We all okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just I was just going to say that uh, we're all wondering why uh, this me me and the listeners are wondering why this became a. Uh, spouting out names and then looking them up on Wikipedia because we could, I mean, we could do this for the whole segment, right? So, oh, I mean, look, if you want to look at Canadian politicians on Wikipedia, we could do that for the whole episode. Not Welcome Canadian to the politicians, I mean, any name. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to move on past this. We, we have another email. Goofy. We have another email from <laughs> uh, David Greenspan, which unfortunately we're a little late to read. 
Um, let's see. It's from Monday, February 8th. This is part of a long running thread that we have with David Del Monte, exciting partnership opportunity. Thank you once more to David Del Monte for reaching out to us. Um, again, Monday, February 8th, 6.46 p.m. Uh, and this is, of course, in response to uh, our previous episode. Boys, I don't know what to say. What a wonderful treat to open up Apple Podcasts and watch the Del Monte Dispatch start downloading. Really great stuff. The big game VR services were particularly entertaining. Did you come up with those on your own or did the team down at Marketing and Brand Synergy float them? I'll tell you what, if it was you guys, you're getting bonuses. Stock options are yours. None of those common income options either. You're getting convertible preferred stock. <clears throat> I'll even throw in a handful of GME because you've earned it. Steve was a bit harsh on Gustavo. Cut that out, Steve. Our man in Brazil is an integral part of the Del Monte Foods Limited, America's favorite bean outlet. I'm disappointed I even have to tell you that. You're a smart guy, a real big brain individual and know better. Please don't let it happen again. Now, let me just say that I'm being a little harsh on you right now, Steve, and I'm sorry for that. Things have been rough since Ronnie and I have separated. And I've had to take a good look at, <coughs> excuse me, shit, good hard look at my interpersonal relationships. I want you to know that I value you and your can-do attitude. It's getting late and I'm on my third pineapple whiskey sour mixed with premium Del Monte pineapple juice. Always use the fresh stuff, boys. Never concentrate. And I'm going to hit the hay before I say something I might regret. Looking forward to the next episode. Warmest regards, DDM. Oh, wow. it never gets old. It's always good to hear from, from Mr. Del Monte himself. And I, you know, I would like to take this opportunity to issue a formal apology to Gustavo. And uh, that is that, you know, I acted, last episode, I acted out of turn with that episode. And I, uh, I was just really having a rough day. Um, yeah, it just, uh, it, it just wasn't my day. You know, you have one of those days where you just, everything, every, it, it feels like everything's in grayscale and you, you just can't catch a break. And uh, that, was, that was one of those days and I lashed out and that was at uh, beloved viewer Gustavo. So uh, I messed up, buddy. I hope this can, uh, I hope this doesn't affect us. Uh, and our friendship. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Dave Foster Wallace and Gromit Apology Spectacular. Um, it means a lot that, you know, you hold us accountable um, and that you're committed to the same degree of transparency and apology that we are. Uh, moving on, we do have another email. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. This one from... Oh, we have two. Jeez, I didn't see this. Okay, we have one from uh, Vera Sambi, verasambi at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Vera Sambi. Message says, hi. Cool. Vera Sambi, thank you so much for that email. Really appreciate that. Wow. Really appreciate all of our fans who have reached out. Uh, we do have one more from Abner Abdil. Um, sure. Message says, hello. And the text says, hello, from Abner Abdil, the audit and account manager, ADB, Bank Burkina Faso. Oh, I'm not going to try to say that. Please, I have a business transaction for the benefit of both of us. In my department, I have discovered an abandoned sum of U.S. $10.2 million in a dormant account that belongs to one of our late foreign customer who died on helicopter crash with his family members years ago. Ever since, nobody to claim the leftover balance in the account and due to the bank constitutions, it is only a foreign person that is eligible to claim funds from my bank. Steve, look, we were talking about the easiest way to reach out to us, and it's through a little bit of that Gondra Green beat our G Fuel sponsorship. Um, wow. But, you know, any of our, our different business dealings, merch opportunities, Patreon, but, oh, my God. Thank you so much, Abner. Um, uh, let's continue This is here. incredible. 10.2 million, $10 million. 
Okay, um, this this day is a jackpot day. That's insane. Wait, hold on. I tell see. you, I was just talking. I was just talking uh, about how I I could use a little bit of brass, and now now it's uh, now my dreams have come true. I mean, ten point two million. I, my head's spinning. I don't even know what I could do with it. Hold on, let's continue. He says. That's it is insane. therefore upon this discovery I've decided to seek your assistance to present you as a business associate for the fund to be transferred to your account. I will give you the guidelines of how we can what? achieve the transfer balance of US $10.2 million to your account. The funds will be share 50-50% by both of us. This business is well now hold on. So it does sound like it's going to be about 5.1 million, but I'm not, you know, I'm not balking at that yet. So this hold on. Yeah. This business is 100 percent risk-free. I'm here to guide you. If you accept, please furnish me the following information for more details. I look forward to your response. We might as well just fill this out in media res. Let's see. Number one, your full name. Uh J- Jared, Jared and Steve, uh, Dave Foster Wallace and Gromit LLC. Thank you. Um, the easiest question. <laughs> your age. Um I mean, look, respectively for Steve and I, 18 and 18 and 19, uh, your private, your private phone number. Oh, too easy. Uh, 206-555-1100. That goes for both of us. That is the Dave Foster Wallace and Gromit hotline. Uh, your country, the United States of America. What are we, what are we goofing around here? And my occupation. Hello, Steve. Let's answer this in unison. Three, two, one podcaster. Uh, Best regards, Abner Abdeel. Abner, if you are listening out there, you got all the information you need. Cannot wait for that $5.1 million check to hit the bank account. You know what? You know what's insane? I was thinking to myself today that it's the 40th annual. Yep. This is 40 years in the making. It's got to be something insane. And you know what? This is insane. And that's all thanks to both Vera and Abner. Because I, I suspect Vera was sending a little warm-up. Adner jumps in, gives us the full offer, and we are in 100%. I'll tell you what, $10.2 million just for me, that's insane. I mean, here's the thing. Vera was giving us the little amuse-bouche, the little reminder of what's uh, of what's to come. And the full Monty, the full Monty, more like the full Abner. Thank you so much, Abner. This Welcome to Dave Foster Wallace and Grom presents the that, Abner Abdeel Appreciation Special. We, this you know insane. what? The full Monty, more like the full Del Monty. Thanks, Abner and Vera. We well, appreciate look, here's everything the thing. you guys do. Here's the thing. What's up? Uh, what do we five, got? 5.1, so 10.2 million split between the two of us and Abner. Okay, so we're looking at for the pod in the joint pod account, of course, of which we both have a debit card. That's 5.1 million. Okay, 5.1 million. Look, uh, I don't know who David Del Monte is. I don't know who Damon Money is. I don't know who Gustavo is. Those people are dead to me. All right. Who I do know is Abner Abdeel. All right. Number one fan of the podcast. Third, uh, you know, formal third mic. Everyone else, Del Monte, never heard of it. All right. All I know is that that 5.1 is going to buy me an awful Ow. lot of J beans, an awful lot of vinegar, and an awful lot of our David Foster Wallace and Gromit Jelly Bean G Fuel collaboration. Thank you so much, Abner, for this incredible business opportunity. You know we love business opportunities here at David Foster Wallace and Gromit. It's my and you favorite know, thing. Oh my God. I'm, I am truly beside myself. I am elated with this I, news. I can't contain my excitement. I could jump out a window right now. And that's how I excited just I am. kill myself. I've <laughs> never been more excited in my entire life. And I just want to thank Abner for that. You know, Abner gives us sort of that extra pizzazz, that extra bit of energy that we need. And you know, I've been I've been hyped up on fuel. I've been I've been fueling up. I don't know about you, Jared, but uh, I've been fueling up. You know, you know how it how it usually is. 
Uh, I've got about four to five, maybe six or seven pounds of jelly beans in me right now because I've been eating like crazy, excited about the 40th annual uh, David Wallace and Gromit special, spectacular. It's as good as it gets. And now Abner's come in. And this is why you guys are our family. And this is why, uh, you know, this is this is the, the best part of the day. And it's just so much fun. And so really thanks to the family. Uh, so in, in your emails now, instead of the local flavor, drop that. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear it. You send us your address and we'll send you uh, a nice bill of $100 USD. It's going to be green and it's going to be crisp. Uh, it's as good as it gets. So thanks to Abner for making this possible. And thanks to all our fans. Send us your addresses and we'll send that right away. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. This is I'll just look, incredible. Look, for everyone out there listening, you know what $100 uh, will do? You know what it'll do? You send us your address, you get the 100 you know what it'll do? It'll spend. That's what it'll do. You kidding me right now? Steve, here's what I want people to do. I want everyone to hit our email, davidfosterwallacegrom at gmail.com. Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And in that review, I want to know how should we spend this money? No, I didn't say how will we spend it on you, the listener. How should we spend it? Because I'm already thinking about I'm already thinking about that private island I'm going to buy. I'm already thinking about that private island. I'm thinking about wow. applying. I'm thinking about applying that David Foster Wallace and Gromit X Coppertone collaboration sunscreen. Okay, that SPF right. 200. Okay, I'm thinking about my David Foster Wallace and Gromit champion uh, uh, visor that I'm going to be wearing on the beach, and my David wow. Foster Wallace and Gromit uh, branded lawn chair that I'll be sitting on the beach and dipping my toes in the water, and maybe even at a card table smoking from a David Foster Wallace and Gromit hookah, enjoying my time on the shore. Okay. And you know what we'll be eating? We're going to be eating our special David Foster Wallace and Gromit uh, guacamole and wasabi flavored Doritos. Thanks yes. to Doritos.com. Uh, guacamole and wasabi for the green that we're going to be laying on. We're going to be laying on a bed of Benjamins. I tell you what, and our, our bellies will be full from green jelly beans and green Doritos. I just want to take this moment to thank Doritos.com for their sponsorship of this episode. Uh, the new guacamole and wasabi flavored Doritos will be coming out uh, February 27th. So keep your eyes peeled for those. They'll be hitting stores February 27th. Or you can pre-order your own 10-pack XXL bag of wasabi guacamole Doritos from Doritos.com slash GW. That's guacamole wasabi. So go check that out. And uh, I know we'll be enjoying them on that private island. The private David Foster Wallace and Gromit Island will be going nuts. Oh, we're going to be going incredible. nuts. Look, people, you know, people will come to my private island. Of course, we'll have fan events, meet and greets, where we fly a select group of fans out to the island. They'll see wow. the, the palatial estate that we've established, you know, the David Foster Wallace and Gromit Manor, the house that Jay Beans built, effectively. Right. But here's the thing. When I think about how I'm going to spend that money, I'm picturing a very specific scenario. Sure. I'm picturing right on me. I'm picturing I take half of that 5.1. I'm moving out to where? The jungles of Vietnam. Well now, hold on. I'm building get, hold I on get half of that 5.1. And you're getting hold on, and we'll get and <laughs> we're gonna get to look, I and I and look, and I think the viewers, the listeners out there, the more astute listeners, of course, the real heads, the grommet heads, they want to know how you're gonna spend that money. But let me tell you right now, I'm spending that money on a that's right, compound in the jungles of Vietnam. Will I get a few Komodo dragons that I tame and walk around on leashes. Yes. Will I get absolutely jacked, ripped up like Rambo, just brawl? Will I get a big, maybe I white out one eye and a big scar. Maybe I get 
all my teeth taken out and replaced with steel jaws, all of the Bond villain jaws. Do I get a moat with some crocodiles? Yes. Do I become a warlord in the jungle? Yes. And thank you so much to Abner Abdeel for giving me the opportunity to live out my dream of having some very large seven foot poisonous lizards and being a warlord in the jungles of Southeast Asia. Steve, how would you spend that money? I'll tell you what I'm gonna do and you guys listening, you probably can already predict what I'm gonna do. Uh, because those of you who have been listening for a long time, you know that uh, along with warlords in, in, uh, in the jungle, Jared and I, we've had plans for quite a long time to go to Greenland, find that disabled nuclear warhead, find a way to enable it again and use it as leverage to secede and declare independence from Denmark. So that's what we're going to be up to. And you know it's going to be fun and it's all possible thanks to Abdeel. We really appreciate that. I just want to say thank you so much, Abdeel, for allowing us to become sort of the 21st century access power that we deserve to be as we steal or seed Greenland from the Danish as I develop a series of child soldier training camps in Southeast Asia. And as we arm ourselves to the teeth uh, as part of our, our new world order. And boy, oh boy, can I say that the, the nation state of David Foster Wallace and Gromit um, has never been more appreciative of your uh, angel investor funds. Um, Steve, should we talk about uh, maybe this week's selection for our 40th episode spectacular? Or do you have something else to say about to Abner and his, and his uh, angel investor funds? All, all I can say to Abner is, you know, some, some things go right and it's a, and they call it a single play. Yes. But this is, I'll tell you what, today's Abner double play. Yes. Because uh, Abner, well, I kind of, I kind of scuffed that, I think. So let's just cut. Sure. Uh, thanks to Abner. We really appreciate it. I mean, look, here's the thing. Abner, Abner hit the inbox today, said, we're making touchdowns. He said, sure. he said, I got the, he said, give me the damn rock. He said, I'm putting it in the damn end zone. He said, I'm make, I'm shooting hoops. I'm making home runs. Okay. Thank you so much to Abner Abdeel for all of his hard work in discovering somehow from the ether uh, that $10.2 million, uh, half of which of course belongs to us. And I can tell you right now, Abner, we'd love to hear how you're going to get your beak wet with that 5.1. Look, we're talking about, uh, you know, forming sort of a, a, a new world coalition, but Abner, I'd love to know, are you going to be part of this coalition with us or will you be a warring nation state that we will have to uh, militarily dominate? Thank you so much, Abner, and we'd love to hear from you. Steve, I noticed you're... Yeah, I just want to thank, yeah. I just want to thank the sponsor of today, and that's Lockheed Martin. Uh, we really appreciate all the support of the podcast, and I mean, really, uh, between accepting... I just made a pre-order. Uh, you'll be interested in this. We just made some pre-orders for the... for uh, <laughs> Operation... <laughs> just... No, oh, no, you know, while you while you compose yourself, I know you're we're elated. It's we're static. I would love to say, yeah, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Blackwater, um, and FNN USA. Thank you so much for everything you've done for this podcast. I know that I have a very large shipment coming to my home. Um, th just thank you. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate the um, ballistic missiles, the the plastics, plastic explosives, the uh, 
a you know rare cartridge small arms that I can right, purchase right. legally online, you know, uh, as a as a currently a civilian until the nation state is established, and then of course we will be returning right. to the good people over at FNN. And, uh, and really stocking up, really making some, uh, look, 5.1 million, some impulse buys. Can I tell you right now, I might, I mean, look, I'm looking for long arms. I'm looking for uh, frangible rounds. I'm looking for something that's really going to do some damage as we establish our nation state. I, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you, you know, Lockheed Martin's as good as it gets. Um, they make the, the best helicopters, the most reliable helicopters out there. And so we really appreciate uh, all the work they've done. Like I said, I pre-ordered uh, a bunch of new material, a bunch of new gear for Operation uh, Greenland, uh, sponsored by David Foster Wallsongrommet.com, as well as LockheedMartin.com. So we really appreciate everything that they've done. We appreciate Abner for this fantastic opportunity. I just want to say, I mean, I know we were we were playing I'm, it a little I'm close to the chest right now. Yeah, it's just too, it's such a, I mean, such an incredible opportunity. I know we were playing a little close to the chest, but we will be soon revealing um, a brand new camo. That's right. A new camouflage that David Foster Wallace and Grommet, the good people in our A&R department have been developing right. with Lockheed Martin that will be uh, wrapped on our helicopters, wrapped on our ballistic missiles, wrapped on all of yeah. our ground, you know, um, oh, what's the word? Air to sea, uh, ballistic devices, drones, things of that nature. Um, right. And can I tell you the color palette? For this new camo, dare I say, let me I, look. I, I can't reveal too much. I can tell you right now, green, uh, of course, referring to J Bean Green and Ganja Green, will be playing a major sure. role um, in that in the sort of development moving forward. Uh, of course, our, our our ground troops uh, will be dressed in it. Of course, head to toe, um, vests, armaments, goggles, only the best, only the best. Of course, again, thank you so much to FNN for uh it's fantastic for supplying and for outfitting our uh paramilitary operators our tier one operators of the uh unified nation state of david foster wallace and gromit thank you so much wow this is incredible you know i never thought this day would would arrive but but uh abner really came through today and uh yeah, now now we can with a with a very calm peace of mind we can get into our selection of the day. I mean, I just wanted to say I'm looking at the Seattle skyline sure. right now, and you know, sometimes as a little boy, you know, you walk around and you think, you know, maybe one day I have one Komodo dragon, and maybe a, a small battalion of child soldiers in the jungle. Maybe one day, um, as as every little boy does, you know. Um, and I just want to say, oh, you know, I'm holding back tears. I just want to say, uh, Abner, thank you so much for the opportunity to, I mean, a Komodo dragon. Look, I'm going to have a thousand. Maybe the, maybe we we source the world supply of marine iguanas as part of our large-scale defense effort of Greenland. Maybe I, maybe I round up uh, child soldiers from across the globe and we form a, a tier one, you know, operating group. Maybe we, we source people from Al-Qaeda. Uh, ISIS, Boko Haram, we bring them to Greenland. We build the strongest, the toughest military organization the world has ever known. Um, and, oh, my God, I'm just sorry. It's everyone listening. I'm just having a hard time. Thank you so much, Abner, for giving us this incredible opportunity to become the warlord, uh, despotic leaders that we have always wanted to be. And I, you know, cannot, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Abner. Um 
Whew. And, uh, and, you know, hey, let us know how you're going to spend your half of the money or if you're going to be joining us on the island. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Abner. I hope he's joining us. This is incredible. Really incredible. Could not have imagined better news for the uh, 40th episode spectacular. And for everyone listening, obviously, this will be the, I mean, the end of David Foster Wallace and Gromit as a podcast, maybe the beginning of a media empire, but formally the end of it as we will be beginning our uh, siege on Greenland to, uh, to steal it back. Anyway, you want to talk about Chandler a little bit? Yeah, big sleep, you mean? Big sleep, big sleep. Get into it. Raymond Chandler himself. Tell us a little bit. So everyone, everyone listening, uh, we, in addition to our weekly selection of Infinite Jazz, we read Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep, um, the first in his Philip Marlowe series. Um, yeah. Sort of your classic, you know, pulp noir, pulp detective yeah. story. Nothing, you know, nothing but the best for our 40th episode spectacular. Um, right. And I can I just say, what a, ooh, what a delectable morsel this story sure. is a story of deceit betrayal you know intrigue a little a little seductiveness a little sure. uh a little taboo eroticism a little a little can i tell you right now a little acrimony in the golden age of hollywood can't go wrong steve talk to him a little bit about i mean i think i think um not we probably should a whole plot synopsis. Well, let's not do that because I think it's a little, it might get a little convoluted, but tell me a little bit about that's how, how you, yeah, that's what I said. I'm not going to do a plot. Oh, synopsis. you're not going to. Oh, okay. sorry. Sorry. Bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to do a plot synopsis because, you know, you got to read it for yourself if you didn't yes. uh, this week, you know, it is sort of the classic hard boiled detective uh, pulp noir, as, uh, as Jared said, it's the, it's the tale of the sleuth, you know. It's the tale of solving a mystery, inspired by the the the, the classic age-old mystery stories that we've all loved for our entire lives. This one is a set in you know set in the United States, as opposed to, for example, the you know Damon Money's neck of the woods, sort of the classic homeland of these types of story, you know, with Jack the Ripper and whatnot. Uh, and it does follow sort of a, I'll, I'll just give a slight overview, not yeah. really a plot synopsis. It follows the detective, Philip Marlowe, who gets, who as a private detective uh, takes on clients. And so in this story, of course, in the beginning, he takes on a client to try and get some answers about a uh, about a uh, situation, sort of a family type situation, and upon doing so, he becomes wrapped in, wrapped up in a bit larger. Uh, maybe he bites off more than he can choose. Is something yes. you could say. He gets uh, he gets uh, in over his head, mm -hmm. and something that's a, a little bit larger, a bit more conspiracy or organized. Let's say maybe organized crime. And uh, the tale is about how he goes through and solves it. So it's more of a more of a modern detective story, mm -hmm. a bit more, a bit more. Let's say, rather than simply getting a client and solving the mystery, it's more layered as he as he discovers this or talks to this person. He then finds out this and this. 
and that's that's I think that's part of what makes it a one of the classics of oh, American yeah. detective fiction, oh, and yeah. what what makes it uh, adaptable to the screen. And it's Raymond Chandler's stuff is very famously um, uh, adapted uh, to film. And uh, I, I think we see why when we read his stuff that it's very kind of, yeah, it almost feels like it's a book that's written after a movie's been made, right? There's sort of, there's this vision there, I think mm -hmm. that, that Raymond Chandler writes with a bit of, a bit of vision, visualization, you know, details, a lot of details he goes into. So it's, obviously confusing. Sometimes it's hard to track, but it's a very detailed and uh, ultimately very fun kind of adventure story, mystery story, if you will. And uh, of course, Philip Marlowe. Yeah. yeah, of course, Philip Marlowe is a, is a classic literary character. We all, or at least some, some listening will recognize that name or maybe even have read uh, some of the novels about Philip Marlowe, Private Eye. And, uh, yeah, it's sort of sort of that classic trope character of this. Yeah, see, you know, I've been around. I've been around. See, mm -hmm. that type of that type of hard boiled character. Uh, yeah, cold, I mean, it's a stone cold uh, detective. Yeah. Smoky room, glass yeah. of scotch. You know, he's got he's got the the Murphy bed coming out of the wall, and he's. And can I tell you right now, he's plagued not just by his own demons, but by these these dames sure these dames who are nothing but trouble got it i mean look this story this story you think it's about philip marlowe but it's about a couple it's about a couple uh you know wild wild girls a couple uh a couple uh, young scions who have been running wild around los angeles racking up gambling debt you know um what i particularly well, like about this I and, and why i uh, feel like i agree with you that it's it, uh it feels like it's so readily adaptable for the screen it's that the plot line the central plot line is resolved like a third of the way through the book yeah you know the case that he's hired for is resolved very quickly and everything else is just intuition he's got a hunch you know classic yeah, yeah. classic world-renowned detective philip marlowe he's 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 got his finger on something else he thinks he might uh be able to crack this one wide open and uh you know we don't want to yeah. spoil anything for people who are reading along at home it's it's a lot of fun it's a really good one but speaking of it being adapted for the screen um, I've been trying to get my hands on the Humphrey Bogart adaptation from the forties, but right. interestingly enough, because the book, you know, it is, it's written in a more or less tame way for the, for the period, but it's, yeah. it's handling some pretty heavy topics. I mean, uh, a central plot point is, is, uh, you know, this, this sort of gay porn pusher, this guy who's operating a, a smut bookstore. And has a you know a, a young lover himself who's coming to his defense, who's uh, killing people in his name uh, out of vengeance. Um, and these are obviously things that in the '46 adaptation couldn't be covered, but there is one from the. Let me double check again. I believe the '70s. Um, I don't have it in front of me. That's actually set in London. They move the setting entirely and has Robert Mitchum. Oh. Yeah, yeah, as as Philip Marlowe, uh, in one of his. I don't think one of his final roles. I think he's probably in his like '50s though. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's 30 in the book. I know. Well, even the Humphrey Bogart one, I think he's like yeah, almost in his 50s. He's like, yeah, he's like 50. Well, it's weird. Yeah, because he's 30 in the book. And um, 
Oh God. I mean, we read this like two weeks ago. I already forgot. The man who hires him is supposed to be this like geriatric old man, you know, like yeah, in the, his the general. The general, right. It's supposed to be like 80 or 90. But in both film yeah. adaptations, he's like 50. In both oh, film wow. adaptations, he's I like the same age as Marlowe. Yeah. Which also I think wow. colors it in kind of an interesting way because when you when you picture the hard-boiled detective it's someone who's really been through some living the idea of a hard-boiled detective at 30 seems a little strange someone who's yeah, that's what it was it's what it was uh, yeah it is what it is um I, but yeah i don't know i'm very curious to uh maybe one day if any of our listeners have seen either film adaptation i'd be very interested to get your take also, on when it was, when was the book written i guess i don't know because there isn't much backstory but is 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 it uh an assumption that he was a soldier uh yeah what i thought so written? i thought it was written in 32 i might be wrong here let's see Big 39 39 okay so maybe not yet yeah maybe not hmm. yeah wait 39 when did world war one end oh and uh, uh actually you know what no there's really there's really no mention of the nine. war in the book 1914-19. Is there any reference of war in the book? There's nothing, right? It's no, in the, no, no. There, there isn't. There isn't. I believe in the movie, in the one with hum Humphrey Bogart, there was like some controversy because it is mm -hmm. referential of the war, because the studio thought it would fit better into it, into the story, in placing the the whole story in 46 instead of in 39. Okay. Okay. Um, huh. But yeah, I don't know. I also, I will say, I really. I, I guess. Oh, you're clipping. Yeah. What are you saying? Can you hear me? Am I? I think you're back to normal. Say something. There you go. There you go. Yep. Okay. What are we saying? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say, I really like, and I think our listeners will agree with me. I really like a story. Um, I like a story set in LA where it's constantly raining. Very not cool. the image. Yeah. Not the image I've uh, ever had. No, I mean, basically impossible, but that's the whole point is that it's like, also at this point in time, I mean, it, it does stand a reason that LA was basically nothing. It, it they just started to really produce films. Um, it was a town. You know, and there was this intrigue yeah, because true. people were, were moving out west because there was a lot of money to be had and people who had stuck around post gold right. rush. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously, obviously Los Angeles is still incredibly seedy and corrupt and there's a lot of crime and uh, exploitation. Yeah. But at this point in time, it was like a very new concept. At this point in time, this, you know, this place, this beautiful city out in the sun, right on the coast, um, you know, so steeped in intrigue. I mean, look at the, I sure. think it's not just, the world that Chandler, I mean, the world he pitches is is very rainy, but it's not just him writing this sort of smoky room detective story. I think that culturally at that point in time, you, yeah, people really lived in a, in the smoky room detective story in a, sure. in a very, you know, confused and, and culturally dynamic Los Angeles that was like developing very quickly. Um, sure. But you know what? But I mean, what the, oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say gonna that. Say... <laughs> No, go ahead. <laughs> My bad. I was I was just gonna say that 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 that's kind of a you know smoky room detective story has also been 
tropes. So it could be that experience around there, you know, did bring that out, let's say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so maybe he had experience with uh, the idea of mystery solving, let's say, uh, in literature. And that was always, not always, by the way, but it was, you know, tropey for it to be kind of dark and uh, right. smoky roomed and stuff like that, you know. Uh, you know, Poe, as the, as the, I think, prime American example, you know. Baltimore's Poe. finest. Baltimore's finest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there, there's also a trope there. So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting to think about whether, whether that was uh, reflective of, of perhaps what he saw or if he fit that into you know, this, uh, this town, uh, but you know, that's, that's LA for you. And you know, they don't call it the city that never sleeps for nothing. So I do think that this is really the, the genesis of the writing style that everyone has come to parody. I mean, the American detective novel, as we know it, this is the, this is the prime example. This is the, you know, creme de la creme of the American detective novel. It's not just smoking a pipe in a dark room it's you know oh the whole scene of him in that little tiny apartment just you know ice cold looking down the barrel of a gun so the guns get yeah. lower and lower and lower snatch it out of his hand you know a lot yeah. of a lot of punk kid stuff drink glasses you know yeah. glasses of little punk cyanide kid, yeah. you know little nude photography in a dark room you know uh you know stealing the silver plate you know oh my god i mean everything about it really it's uh it's written in such vivid detail all the way down to the little twist ending in that little uh, gulch yeah. outside yeah. of the estate. Um, and the last, I mean, the obviously the titular Big Sleep referenced. Um, I mean, we know where it all comes from, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything in movies and books with this kind of theme, everything is a tip of the hat, literally to... Raymond Chandler's first book, the Philip Marlowe origin story, the beginning of Philip Marlowe, all of it tips the hat to this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's oh. the two best examples I can think of this, of this genre, two masterpieces of the like pulp noir. You can't even call it pulp noir because that's that's a little more dismissive. That's a, you know paperback kind of copy this this really is a master class on how to write uh you know kind of like contemplative detective fiction all the way down to just these yeah just these these little throwaway lines of you know him sitting there thinking again about uh about vivian thinking again about you know just really soaking in a dark room and the only the only other example i can think of that really embodies that in in an excellent way is inherent vice but inherent vice is pynchon writing like chandler it's the same idea. It's the same sure. idea of someone who it's just, you're taking on the role of a more unreliable narrator, someone who's not even trusting yeah. themselves because yeah. what's happening around them is fitting together in a similar way. It's, it's solving the mystery in the first act and then kind of being like, but is there more, can there yeah. be more, or am I just chasing my tail? And yeah, yeah. you know, obviously Pynchon does that extremely well of characters yeah. who are unreliable and chasing their own tail time and time again. But with this, there is just as much, of an unreliable narrator in that when he finally does get to the bottom of it, there's no justice to be served. There's no more extortion that can be done. He just kind of has to know it, 
keep it to himself. Yeah. He's, he's powerless as, uh, as he's working to an extent outside of the law. And there's that same kind of bitterness, that same intrigue, the same sort of eroticism in those final conversations. And he just has to go home and say, you know, wait for another case job. Well done. Best it can be done. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's also, I mean, inherent vice is kind of, kind of this character or kind of the tropey detective, maybe a little bit turned on its head because mm -hmm. you think of Philip Marlowe as kind of this, you know, he's straight edge. Yeah. But he's also a effective. boxer, hard boiled, you know, very yeah, effective. Yeah. 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 But, you know, basically as, as straight edge as it gets, in spite of, you know, whiskey or whatever it is, he stands there, he smokes a cigarette. We're kind of in his head. Mm -hmm. right? So we get the inner monologue. Not stream of consciousness, just no one-liners man of very few words ice cold right yeah right love it love and it. and inherent vice is a bit more kind of then you've got you know not straight edge right no. then you've got outside influence right so the kind of drugs drugs alcohol certainly not controlled yeah Although well, the, you're yeah, right. the doc sportello character is like rotted a mind a rotted a hole in his yeah, mind yeah. so like yeah the yeah. whole second act structure is like but i don't understand what's happening yeah yeah but the, yeah. but the structure of it you're right that's a very that's a very astute parallel i think because the structure of it uh is is pretty similar it's a similar idea it's kind of a nod an homage tip of the hat yeah to the big sleep uh though it's and it's maybe also a bit of an uh, adjusted time period because what's inherent vice in the 80s? Uh, no, in the 60s. 70s. Or 60s. yeah, end, end of the 60s. The the hippie, like summer of love hippie kind of yeah, stuff is, is yeah. on its way out. People are a little more right. straight laced again, nuclear family kind of stuff. Right. Levittown so housing so boom. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's sort of the same idea or a similar a similar concept in a in a different time period and effectively mirroring that time period. Yeah. And so the the big sleep, I think, also mirrors the time period. There's, you know, a lot of upheaval. You know, post World War, Great Depression, boom, boom, right before the next one. Uh, and so you've got these kind of, you know, almost militaristic characters because residually that hasn't left yet. Right. You know. And it never. I mean, it really never did. I mean, you have people and who it are, never did. There are people making money. Out. Yeah, so that's that's why I was talking about with the film adaptation being so curious because the the central plot here is steeped in cultural taboos, not just for the time, but kind of moving forward with this yeah. idea of yeah, a lot of exploitation of the porn industry yeah, becoming uh, and stuff. yeah becoming more prominent in L.A. Um, you know the the death of the oil baron in American culture, or at least at that point in American culture, of like a yeah the oil scion daughters who have kind of started gambling, you know, mix themselves up in, in loan sharks, gambling dens, um, you know, hired guns, a very, you know, wide and expansive network that the police are privy to throughout the novel. I mean, the DA is aware of and just kind of like, no, we'll just, we'll just, you know, kind of keep her over in this house. We'll keep, uh, what's his name? Eddie's, Eddie's girl over in the, over in the yeah. house. And we just don't need to worry about that just yet until it's, <laughs> until it's uh, appropriately time for ourselves. Yeah. A lot of corruption and um 
I think that, yeah, compared, compared to inherent vice, it was more of the reaction to the sixties and, um, I guess people becoming more, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of detaching themselves from the free love movement. I mean, it's about neo-Nazis. It's about, yeah, militaristic groups that are rising up post Korea, you know, pre-Vietnam or, or, you know, anti-war sentiment in America and, um, kind of following suit with the same kind of like American cultural desolation that was happening in the Great, De- in Great Depression and moving into the war. And then obviously we saw in real life post-war and, and throughout um, Hollywood reaching, you know, that first golden age and trying to recapture some kind of cultural foothold and saying, oh, we're doing musicals. You know, we're, we're embodying uh, vaudevillian concepts and, and practices in, in filmmaking. We're going to do yeah, musicals, uh, epics, moral stories, you know, things that are going to bring people in and make them forget about their troubles, establish the American identity, the, the dominant culture and this sort of uh, entertainment, hedge, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hegemonic entertainment value. Um, and then it wasn't really until the end of the 40s, early 50s that noir as a film genre came to be because people were finally ready to grapple with what they had lived through um, for the first time in a long time. Uh, and after, you know, and after it all, there is, I would say, I mean, there is a sort of this capstone American cultural identity that is, I mean, I'm thinking of a specific example that does kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it draws from vaudeville, it draws from musical, it draws from drama, it draws from intrigue. Uh, and it, I think, is the primary defining. And also, by the way, there are in this in what I'm about to reveal. There is the hat, there are tips of the hat, of course, to the hard-boiled detective and this kind of, you know, why I oughta type. Oh, a lot of why I oughta. A lot of right. And that and that is, yeah, yeah. That. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Exactly. And that is, you know. And I think we do have one example of this, what you're saying, this kind of golden age American culture that still stands to this day. Uh, and that is the Three Stooges. So we just yes, of course. The Three Stooges and the Three Stooges State uh, for sponsoring this episode of David Foster Wallace and Gromit. So thanks to the Stooges, uh, yuck, yuck, wub, wub. And we appreciate the Three Stooges State for the, for the sponsorship. Jimmy, I, mean, I, can, I can say safely that um, not this you know, no, maybe not in the immediate future, but very soon we will be returning to Philip Marlowe because I think this is a, uh, an incredible well of high quality literature that is rich in discussion, um, without, well, you know, hopefully without revealing anything about the story, but also just like a lot of fun to read, just a really good time. And it's so, it's so seldom. I mean, I've never, I don't think that there's been anything for that we've read for the pod that I haven't uh, enjoyed or, or been able to find, you know, value, cultural value and significance in, and, you know, that we've been able to have a nice discussion about. Um, but this in particular is like, especially on coming down from ultramarine, it's like, oh, wow, what a treat to you're, you're getting the internal monologue, but you're getting someone who is very fact oriented, very analytical, and you're getting exactly what is happening, what their next moves are very calculated, not someone who is you know, drinking themselves to death at 19, mowing over, right. you know, the infinite. Um, but yeah, yeah we'll definitely. There's something very mature about. Yes. 
Yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. There's something very, very mature and very kind of uh, developed about the Philip Marlowe character. It's, it's, uh, and it's all very familiar as well. Like I said, with these tropes and with these stories, it's, we somehow know it. It's, it's culturally ingrained this type of character. Although we've had, a plethora of examples and of course Marlowe draws from the characters before the predecessor detectives uh which of course there are similarities between uh Phil Marlowe and the ones before as well as the ones after and so this somehow really detective and who the detective needs to be right right the logician uh you know, the, the cool-headed, easygoing, extremely steady, and extremely stable. And that's, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of fun to get into. Yeah, no, you're right. And I and I think um, just to continue the, the comparison with, or, or sort of contrasting it with Ultramarine, having just read another, um, you know, very introspective or, or, or narrator-dominated sort of piece, you're right. This yeah. is very mature. This is very well-developed. This Philip Marlowe and by proxy, obviously Raymond Chandler, people who very much, very much so know who they are, very self-aware and very uh, considerate of that. But even more so, this is, you know, you have some of these similar themes, uh, themes of masculinity, yeah, yeah. Of, of taboo, of social expectation. And in this in particular, you have that idea of masculinity more developed as uh, stoicism, asceticism. Someone who's really, yeah. I mean, he, he has exactly. the opportunity to uh, more or less have his way with both daughters. They're both, you know, for, in one way or another presented to him. Ultimately, one of them, you know, no, you know, spoiler here, but contributes majorly to the final act twist. Um, but he's a man doing his job, hardened by what he's seen, hardened by the acts of those around him, hardened by the sort of social taboos that he's not necessarily complicit in, but is not warring against. He's sort of drifting through cultural upheaval as the idealized every man of this period, someone hardened, strong, someone who is able to combat that sort of upheaval, or again, survive it, um, the, the sort of tumultuous moment in cultural, whereas in Ultramarine, uh, obviously, this is a character who is very sensitive, fragile, very yeah. fragile, um, very painfully, violently socially aware, uh, and unable really to combat the moment of yeah. upheaval that he finds himself in. Uh, but no, yeah. we'll definitely be returning to Philip Marlowe. I think I think this was a real treat. I think um, Chandler's a very adept writer. For next week, however, uh, we do need to figure out what we're going to be reading. I believe, actually, here we can. I'll just cut this out as we figure this out. I have that. Um. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah. All right. So for next week, obviously, it's very unfortunate that we weren't able to talk about David Foster Wallace's seminal classic, Infinite Jest, this week. Um, of course. As our listeners know, we will be back next week to discuss the seminal classic, our reading selection for last week, uh, of course, this week and next week as well. Um, so sorry to everyone who's been waiting patiently for us to uh, dig in. But as our 40th episode spectacular has denoted, we spent a lot of time really mowing over what we're going to do with this incredible cash windfall. Now, unbelievable. as we've said, oh. you know, it well, because here's the thing. It just depends on how quickly we're able to get to this Greenland maneuver, Operation Greenland, and our child soldier sure, army. Sure. So in the meantime, sure. if if anything prevents us from doing that um, next right. Monday, we will be discussing okay. 
uh, Samuel Beckett's The Calmative. Um, sort of short fiction novella from Samuel Beckett. Um, Can't wait to dig into that. And of course, compare, contrast, analyze in conjunction with David Foster Wallace's seminal classic, Infinite Jest. As always, everyone, shoot us an email, davidfosterwallace.gromit at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating. Subscribe on Spotify, um, wherever wherever your podcasts are available and found. We love to hear from you, your your local flavor, how we should spend the money. Um, And you know, just... A sincere thank you to everyone who's been listening for our 40th yeah. episode spectacular. Really appreciate knowing that there are some like-minded grommet heads out there who want to talk about uh, some fine literature, who want to talk about literature, Jay Beans, um, you know, who want to goof around with us for an hour or so each week and just have a nice time. Right. And, uh, and I just wanted to apologize to Ski. Was it Ski? Ski bumnals, yeah. Skid. Oh, skid. Skib. Skib umnals. Yeah. Yeah, skib. Uh, so I just wanted to apologize to Skib. Uh, not quite getting to Infinite Jest today, uh, but we'll get. We'll you know we'll get back on the train for you, Skib. Anything for you. Thanks for being a part of the family. Shoot us an email, guys, and say hi. And I can tell you exactly where you can find uh, a place where the jest is in fact infinite. And that's on threestooges.com. And we really want to uh, say thank you to the Three Stooges State for, for supporting us and sponsoring this podcast. And we also want to thank Doritos. <clears throat> Doritos.com, the new guacamole, uh, and the new wasabi. Coming out, Doritos.com slash GW for guacamole and wasabi. Uh, we appreciate all our sponsors of the day. And uh, we really wish everybody the best uh, who listened. Of course. Fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, Three. I don't, you know, I'll try to, I'll try to hold back my tears once more, but obviously thank you to right. our returning sponsors of Doritos, um, Coppertone, G Fuel, and everyone we have these incredible collaborations with. And for all right. the sponsors who we've been working with in a more clandestine nature, who were uh, willing to sure. reveal themselves yeah. as part of this, the, the 40th episode spectacular, you know, of course I'm trying to not get worked up, but thank you so much to Lockheed Martin Raytheon. Um, wow. you know, the, the good people at Goldman Sachs, you know, everyone who's been there by us, obviously the, both the Trump and the Biden administration. So appreciative of everything. And the NSA, thank you. So, oh my God. Thank you. So I can't believe I almost forgot. Thank you so much to our great friends at the NSA and the DOD. I mean, it's, it's, it means so much to us as you know, you, have been, and you know, I, well, spoiler for everyone out there, seeding us money as part of our ongoing effort to retake and reclaim Greenland as part of our new world access power. And of course, Abner, Abner, thank you so much for this incredible Incredible. seed money. Um, Between you, between you and the NSA, this global destabilization effort and child soldier amassing will be the most successful in human history. Thank you so much. Could not do it without you. This is, it's just incredible. All I can say for our, uh, for, you know, it's been 40 years in the making. It's the 40th annual special. And Jared and I are ecstatic. And I think we can finally say, along with you guys, that uh, we're rich. Couldn't have done it without you, you know. I'm, uh, you know, that ganja green's coming in any day now. Wow. Means the world. It's incredible. Thank you, everyone who's listened, uh, and we will see you next week with Samuel Beckett's The Calmative. Thanks, guys.